0: We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk Okay, today we're going to take a little time to celebrate this salvation. It's okay to celebrate. You, we can really celebrate because it's something worth really celebrating. I struggle to celebrate... England versus Andorra <laughs> I mean to be honest five goals but ridiculous there should have been 10 I mean if I'd have been playing we would have had more you know but we really got something to celebrate and I want us to just take a little time to to look at that so we can enter into that Ephesians 5 Christ loved me and gave himself For me. We can say Christ loved me and gave himself for me. But I prefer Christ loved me. I know you don't want to say it out loud, but risk saying it to yourself. Christ loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. It's a kind of heart response. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. We wouldn't love him if he hadn't first loved us. So we're looking at something that he has done. Sometimes we get fixated on what we have to do. We're merely responding to what he has done. We learn that we've received supernatural power in the form of forgiveness. Spoke on that a couple of weeks ago. Freedom. No longer controlled by circumstances, situations of the past, things that others have done because we have received. As we choose to say, I choose to forgive, God empowers us and we enter into that amazing, wonderful freedom. No longer controlled by others or by circumstances. That ability that no matter what the past is, because of the power of forgiveness, we go out free. Now, in another setting, we would say, whoopee, or wow. Wow or hmm, but because we are here, whether you come from this, born in this country or not, we're now under the cloud of English culture, and so we take our joys very seriously. (laughs) But just imagine for a moment that we were talking about that freedom in another setting, I mean, I wonder what you'd be like. I mean, I, you know, get to have a little look in other countries. I know whoopee is not, it's a bit of an English word, but something, once the truth and the reality and the experience of that freedom comes bubbling up from within, it's very difficult to hold it in, isn't it? Thank God we can come to him in worship and express ourselves because we'd be struggling otherwise. And then he makes provision for us. This is all celebrating salvation. He makes provision because he trusts in me and I don't have to lack. We've heard this morning about some provision. Different forms. Different for Shirley, different for Julie, different for Moises. for all provision. If we trust in him, we won't lack healing. I was thinking about this, and uh, many of you have heard this before, but many years ago, before many of you were actually makes me feel old. I was just going to say, but we're not Alan, are we? No. no. Before you were born. I had a mystery illness. Don't know what it was, but it reduced me down to being able to do nothing. I couldn't even, sort of, hardly sip water. Couldn't find what it was. And people were praying. And one day, two of my brothers came. Ken, who's still with us, doctor. And a guy called Mike, who was with us at that time, that God was using a lot in healing. And when they came, they came into the bedroom, they said, "Uh, we haven't come as medical, we haven't come as healing. We've come because we felt God said to just lift you into his presence, to just pray for you. For my, I think my first reaction was, oh, <laughs> You know, I thought, when these two come in, we're, we're, we're on a good and near. But that's what they did. They said, the picture we had was uh, uh, about the men that lifted their friend to Jesus, and that's what we've come to do. And they just prayed, and God just completely turned the thing around. And from that moment, I was healed. Don't even know to this day what it was. I'm pretty glad that it was dealt with. See, God provides healing. This is all part of this great salvation. Anybody prepared to say, yippee? Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, the joy of his presence. This is not sort of a list of things to believe. This is a person to walk with. This is someone that sticks closer than a brother. And yes, there are these special times, these exciting times. I told you once again, I'm going back years. I'm driving back. I had three or four uh, guys in the car with me. And we're driving back uh, from Dagenham, I guess. I think that's where we were. We're going back to where we were living then, out in Hertfordshire then. So we'd gone through through the forest, and uh, we are round on that back lane behind uh, Waltham Abbey to Nasing. But the presence of God, I mean, I had to stop. We can't stop on that road, so I pulled into a farmer's field. And goodness knows what the cows would have thought, but basically, we just had this amazing encounter of the presence of God. Couldn't drive, because the car was so steamed up. <laughs> I mean, these are, ex- these are sort of exceptional times, they're particular times. The truth of the matter is, he who said, I will never leave you, his presence is with us all the time. He sticks closer than a brother. Care. I think I'm going a little trip down memory lane. That's what old people do, isn't it? No, no, they don't? Oh, I'm all right then. Okay. There was this guy when I was at school. That's more than five years ago now. And he was not very popular. In fact, you know, kids can be quite nasty. his name was Tony, but his nickname was Uri, short for Uriah, short for Uriah Heap. Those of you, of course, of classical students like me would understand who that was. Yeah, thank you, ben. He was a sort of slimy character. But, you know, what I discovered about this guy was that when I was in a particular situation, we were in the gym, we were trying to do something, and... I've always been a little bit on the shy and nervous side, you know, he was the one who came and helped. I'm looking and saying that's just like Jesus, that care that we get as we celebrate salvation. I'm I'm realising now I'm talking a lot about myself, please forgive me because I'm going to carry on. One of the guys we worked with, that was working with us when we first started out um, before, after I'd left Stockbroking, he said, uh, you're 30-something and you can't swim. I said, yeah, lots of people have tried to teach me. He said, right, lunchtime we're going to the swimming pool. That day I came back swimming. Why? Because he cared. And he understood what I needed in order to do. It wasn't, I didn't need instruction on how to move my arms and legs. I just needed a little bit of confidence to take my toe off the bottom. Very difficult to swim standing up. (laughs) See, God in his goodness, and we've already heard this today, doesn't necessarily come with the thing that we say we want. He comes with what we need. He comes to actually bring resolve. He cares. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy that we're called to a holy life, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. Empowered, given us the ability to be sanctified, to be pleasing to him. It's not about trying harder, it's about receiving what he's done. What's more, God not only sees where we're at, but where we're going to be. He has a vision for us. Have you ever met anybody that has a sense of vision and purpose for you? They see something beyond where you are. That's a good person to hang out with. Someone who can see something, something beyond, something beyond where you are now. It's got an expectation for you. God has far more of that. He sees beyond where we are. He sees where we're going to be. But in order to do that, the Bible tells us that he's given us, this is 2 Corinthians, divine power to demolish strongholds. Not the weapons of this world, not kind of... Attitudes, ability to kind of answer back or have the sharp response or uh, a clever way of getting around things. No, no, no. It's not that. It's his power, divine power, to demolish strongholds. So we don't need the weapons of this world. Strongholds. Things that have got a grip Julie was saying something about that this morning, something that got hold of her, something that she could repent from and turn from by the power of God. Ability to develop, to to demolish strongholds, not by the attitudes, not by the aggression, not by just being a person that you couldn't say anything to, but his way. Using his love and his gift, transformed this Romans sort of 12, transformed by the renewing of your mind, an ability to think differently. I mean, this, this is amazing, you can't get this from any other route at all. The ability to think differently, the transforming power of God, celebrating salvation instead of. In this situation, thinking fear. In this situation, thinking jealousy. In this situation, thinking anger. The freedom that God gives. Transformed by the renewing of our minds. Is this good? Yeah? Thank God he didn't just... Save us to come to a meeting once a week and sing some songs. No thank you. I mean, it's great to do it and you sound lovely most of the time. But to be utterly changed. Is that good or not good? Yeah, come on, you know. Come with me on this. Controlled or in control? 1 Corinthians 9, we're free from control. No one owns us. No one owns us. When I was stop-broken, I was working with a guy who had this... He used to deal on the side in antique books. And uh, one day he said to me, "Uh, I've seen this book in this place, but if I go to buy it, they'll put the price up. So uh, I want you to go there and tell them it's for you and buy it and here's the money I said I'll do that I'll go there and buy it but I said I'm not going to tell them I'm not going to pretend I'm not going to say it's for me when it's for you I may choose to say nothing but I'm not going to do that I'm not going to I'm not going to destroy my integrity for the sake of a deal don't belong to anybody Uh, he was my boss yeah but it was time that my boss understood that I wasn't controlled by him I wasn't going to be controlled by him to the point of transgressing the very things that God had brought me to so he loves us because he wants to yeah next time some enemy or some somebody says oh I don't know anybody could put up with you. Just remind yourself that it's not because of how good you are or how wonderful you are that God loves you. So I need you at this time to help me a little bit. Can you turn to somebody and say, God loves you in spite of you. Now, if you're on Zoom, and you happen to be just there as a couple together, um, that might give you a little bit of a problem if you just turned to your wife and said, God loves you in spite of you. So you might have a little bit of repair work to do there. Even here, you might have to do that. He loves us because he wants to, not because we're desirable. In fact, the Bible tells us we're dead in transgression and sin. But he still loved us and came to us. We're celebrating salvation. He loves us because he wants to. (laughs) When we fail, we tend to think perhaps he doesn't love us. That's because we tend to measure his love by our love. But his love is very different. It's... Utterly unchanged. I want to take a little time to read. Um, it's in Isaiah 61. This is about a miracle that's waiting to happen. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He' sent me to bind up the broken-hearted, to proclaim freedom for captives. If you look at that category of people, we see that he came for those that were in need, maybe messed up, maybe abused. But we also see he's come to proclaim. I want us to catch hold of this because it's important. The power of life and death was in the proclamation. Came to proclaim. It's in the proclaiming. The power of life and death in the tongue. That's why it's really important if God has something to say, a certain sound. What God says matters. Not what some person in the past, some teacher, parent, classmate, workmate. These things can come like like spikes, like daggers. But what matters is what he says. Power of life and death in the tongue. This certain sound, we want to hear what God is saying. God loves us forever, unconditionally. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. The favour of the Lord. The favour of the Lord is living life as he planned it to be. Life as God had it planned, has it planned. And it's his vengeance, so good news, we don't need to engage in Vengeance. We don't need to kick back because he deals with that. He's taken that on. He's taken that responsibility. The favour of the Lord. Life as God has planned it. This is what we're just looking at. His vengeance so we don't need to do it. To provide and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty Instead of ashes, the oil of joy, instead of mourning, a garment of praise, instead of a spirit of despair. That's what we actually wear, you know. We sometimes use it, garment of praise, you know. Amen, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we really break out and we clap or we shout or. Once upon a time, it was known that somebody was so taken up with it, they were jumping up and down. I think they call it dancing. It's all in the Bible, it's okay. We're just moving there. We're a bit slow, but we'll get there. Garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. Let's take a moment. What did it say? Crown of beauty instead of ashes. Beauty for ashes. That's an exchange. Can't have both. You're going to have the beauty? No point in trying to hang on to the ashes. Ashes are the things of the past. They're the things that God has delivered us from. The attitudes, the ways. He has given us the power to live godly, in Christ Jesus, we, we can't mix the two. So I have a little thought. Do I want the beauty? Or do I want to stick with the ashes? It's an exchange. Everything that is contrary to the reflection and attitude that we can have in Christ has been dealt with and exchanged that we can actually Carry the sweet savour of Christ. Beauty for ashes. Righteousness for guilt. Joy for mourning. A couple of weeks or so ago when we talked about the power of forgiveness I didn't really go into one area that is really critical. I want to just mention that today in the context of beauty for ashes. Remember we talked about The power of God's forgiveness. The release that comes. And the release that comes and the power to actually forgive people that have either come against us or spoken against us or whatever. But there's a third area. The third area is a little bit, it's not quite so obvious. And that is the power to recognise God has forgiven me And if I need to ask forgiveness of somebody else, I do that. And if I need to forgive somebody, I choose to do it and then ask God for the power to do it. But what about this one? Remember talking about beauty for ashes. Power to forgive yourself. Power to forgive yourself. Now, same as the other things, the sensible, in fact, the only workable thing to do is to say, Lord, is there something that you've forgiven me? Maybe others have forgiven me. But search me, O God. See if there be any wicked, contrary, difficult way in me. And particularly, Lord, is there something which you've forgiven me and I've not actually forgiven myself? And therefore the enemy will keep using that and it will be a restriction. By God's grace and by his power, we can forgive ourselves. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. That doesn't mean they'll all be called reverend or pastor or some religious title which we don't go in for. You will be what God has called, called priests of the Lord by the Lord because you will minister on his behalf. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance and so you will inherit a double portion in your land. For most of you, you weren't exposed to a lot of the kind of um, second coming doctrine. For some of us, we grew up in a, in a background that everything was about heaven and it was all about streets of gold and cups of milk and honey and, I mean, enough to put you off. I've never yet fancied a street of gold, red Ferrari, driving it, but walking on streets of gold, I'm done with walking. You want to walk on the street of gold, you get out of my way because there's no speed limits in heaven. I'm coming down in my red Ferrari, mate. <laughs> a double portion in their land. This is not something about a heaven to come. That's, a, that's going to be wonderful. We'll get onto that another time. But in the now, what, what does it mean, a double portion? Oh, I'll get more money. Really? No, I think God's got something much better than that. Call it the fruits, the gifts of the Spirit, far more valuable than money. Holy Spirit is the counsellor who leads and guides. God of justice, making wrong right. God brings us through many things. So let's continue just to celebrate a few more. Brings us through many things. So we get ready, prepare. See, the process is not the end. He's working out his purposes. Therefore, pursuing how to love rather than to get what we want seems to be God's way to fulfil and to further move further into his purpose. God is so right and so good. Even our best efforts were not satisfactory. So what did he do? He gave us Jesus to make us right with him. Because there was nothing, no matter how much we tried to work, nothing made us good enough. He gave us Jesus to make us right, to make us as right as He was. So I need to see me as he sees me. And then have that good relationship with myself. Back to forgiving ourselves. See, the Bible says, love your neighbour as yourself. bit restricted, loving your neighbour if you don't love yourself. I'm not talking about a kind of nasty, selfish uh, Self-focused thing. I'm talking about lining up with God, accepting what God has done. Love your neighbor as yourself. How can it be? Because we're justified. As far as God is concerned, that which He has forgiven, as far as He's concerned, never ever even happened. It's so dealt with, it's so buried any time the enemy would come to try and remind you of something something that you've carried or something from the past what? no as far as God's concerned it's never ever even happened that's how great it is we're made right with God through Christ's blood that's why we can be the message not just telling it It's good to tell, it's wonderful to tell the goodness of God and what he's done. But we never want to be in a situation where somebody turns around and says, I can't hear your words because your actions or attitudes speak so loud. And they're contrary to your words. We want all the time to be the message as well as tell it. And you know, God chose me. God chose me. Though he knew every mistake I'd made and every mistake I would make. He did the same for you. Mm. Can you help me a minute? Turn to someone who, who looks like they're not sure about that and just tell them, say, God chose you and if you're not sure whether the person does actually accept what I'm saying assume they don't and say it anyway God chose you even though he knew every mistake you'd made <coughs> or was going to make hallelujah isn't God good? Yes. Isn't God good? Yes. yes. Let's celebrate this great salvation. We're new creatures in Christ. Remember the Peter at the precise moment when he could have supported the Lord, he it, he was a coward. Later on, he preaches and 3,000 people get saved. That's the kind of Redemption, that's the kind of change. Greatest thing, God has set me free. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, it's passed away, it's done with, it's finished. And don't let any little demon try and tell you otherwise. It's dealt with. They try, they, 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 the enemy tries to distract He says, yeah, well, it's true, but of course, uh, what what you're saying, it really more applies to others. We need to deal with this self-disqualifying, focus on good that we want rather than the bad that we don't want. That's why 2 Timothy warns us about godless chatter. Oh, it's too hard. I can't do it. I'll always end up like this. Well, it's my family background. No, you're born again of incorruptible seed. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. You get these little six-inch demons that sit on your shoulder, and whisper in your ear, oh, it didn't work before, kind of creating a cynical position, or yes, but, or, hmm, that won't lead anywhere. Oh, you think you're healed. It won't last Blockages, past issues that are not resolved. Disappointment. Disappointment about broken relationships or unforgiveness means we're not able to give thanks. It's important that we understand that what God says is the important thing. Proverbs 18 tells us that words are containers for power. Confidence in God, not in the flesh, not in feelings. Removing obstacles. The Bible tells us, despise not the day of small things. When I go into my office at home, the door is held open by a stone. On that stone is a picture. That was a gift to me from one of the children. I won't (laughs) name which one because the others would be upset. I'm very sensitive to that. It's a stone. It's a small gift but it represents something special. Despise not a day of small things. Many years ago, uh, we were a small group. I think before we'd even, I don't know, we'd started this. And there was this leadership group, and it was just maybe about 10 or 15 people, I can't remember now. And one of the, whoever was leading one of the exercises said that We are learning to be appreciative of one another and they said, get together in twos and uh, tell each other what you appreciate about one another. And these two leaders got together, they are no longer around. Uh, One said to the other, can't think of anything good about you. What did that say? That said there was something wrong with the person who said that. Because if God could see something, what on earth were they looking at? We have to be careful. Obstacles. Get in the wrong position, the wrong attitude. Enemy would have us focus on the bad and the missing, not on the good. God wants us to focus on the good and the present. Why not celebrate? You know, we started off and talked about um, crossing Jordan. And when they, when they crossed Jordan, they celebrated. But they still got the whole of the land to take. See, they hadn't arrived. Oh, they'd have crossed the Jordan, they'd come into the Promised Land, but there was a lot of land to take, a lot of battles to be fought. Still enemies to defeat, but they could celebrate where they were and what had happened thus far, celebrating salvation. Obstacle. You hear God, you don't follow it through. And you go back to what he's told you to do. So, what do we do? Our actions. Well, Romans 12 talks about overcoming evil with good. Doing good to all men. We concentrate on the positive. We give thanks to God. You see, in Proverbs 23, it says, as a man thinks, so he is. We have authority, control over what we think. Some enemy comes along and begins to get us to think in a negative or obstructive or difficult way. We have the power in God to say, I am not going to pursue that line of thought. Jesus, help me. And we can move we have that measure of control, move from it. As a man thinks, so he is. Thoughts, words, actions, customs, habits. Interesting, um, in Luke 22, it talks about Jesus in great difficulty going to Gethsemane. Do you know, see what it says after that? As was his custom. He was sticking to something in that difficult time, to what he knew to be good and right. Now, there's another little thing which is interesting, that we kind of miss out on sometimes. Um, James five talks about uh, confessing our sin one to another. So, does that mean you know we should have a a weekly confessional? So I should go to go to Phil and sort of sit down opposite him and say Phil I need to confess I told the old lady what she needed to know again it didn't go down very well no no we're not going back to confession boxes So, what does it mean? means that we're real we say we're not trying to put up a front we're being honest uh, if we're in need we can confess the need if we are rejoicing about something that, that's good as well to express it we're not trying to put up a front oh I'm okay I was hearing once uh, recently one of the sisters was saying about a neighbour and this neighbour was in a, a sorry state. I think a single parent and a, child with, or a couple of children with special needs and really was at a wit's end. And, and when, I, when our sister offered, well, can I, can I be, oh no, I'm okay, I'm okay. It wasn't okay, but just wasn't prepared to confess the need. It's humbling to tell, but then, hang on a minute, God helps the humble I think being proud and coming before God and saying yeah I'm, I'm, I'm okay that, that doesn't work biblically it's telling him we need to agree with God not to confess we're in bondage but declare freedom this thing, these, these things don't happen by wishing we have the opportunity to be real to be open do good and share with others Thankfulness, that testimony stuff, that thankfulness, it's very, very powerful in terms of doesn't it make you, wow, that's got to work. It's very, very good. All right. As we come to conclusion, I want to pray a biblical prayer. And then we're going to do one other thing. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I guess... I'm sure it's possible that in these days where we're talking about catching a fresh look at him, knowing a fresh anointing, all the different terms that we've used all come down to the same thing. The prayer that we've prayed is Ephesians 3. That is the prayer we're praying. Out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. But if you feel like you're on the outside looking in, you still feel you're waiting for that one touch from the king that changes everything. You hard, find it hard to believe that, that God is, Jesus is standing at your door and waiting for your response. Maybe you feel like you've been seeking him for so long with no response. You might have even lost hope. Well, I see Jesus outside Lazarus' tomb. No one had any expectation or hope that life would return to Lazarus. But Jesus cried out, Lazarus, come forth. I think that's the opportunity to come forth. No one who is genuinely asked to see him will be left disappointed. But we've got to let God be God. He might not speak in your moment. Remember the testimony from Sam? He had this moment and that was when God had to speak but God had a different plan. Might not speak through your method. Remember what Malachi said how he wanted God to speak to him. He might not actually speak on your matter. Remember what Oscar shared that spoke to him on something else. We have to let him decide how and what he can say to you. So we're going to pray. But just before we do that, because I've already prayed for that. I want to do something a little bit different. I've got seven, seven scriptures here. I know this is a bit unorthodox, but in a minute we'll put them on the PowerPoint. And I want you, before God, just to say, you know, this is the one I particularly want. Then we're going to pray again and see what God does. Can we have the PowerPoint, please? <laughs> and this is what I want you to do. I, I want you to determine out of these, if you just wait for a little bit with the children, just hold on for a minute. Alright? I want you to. And, and you can do it however you like, but the best way to do it is, Lord, is there something special for me? Seven things, because of, and you're going to choose one, and then we're going to pray. Because of God's great love for us, we are adopted into His family and made joint heirs with Christ. Two, we are made to sit in heavenly places with Christ. Three. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. Four, we are the righteousness of Christ through faith, thus being made right before God. Five, we are entitled to a clean conscience before God because of the blood and can have full assurance of faith when we go before him. Six, our sins have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west and God himself has chosen not to remember our failures seven we are loved with the same love that the father has for Jesus himself seven promises seven declarations of scripture I want you just pick one And just as we come to God, I want you to say, Lord, I want that made very, very real to me. Lord, as we bow before you, and as we give thanks, and as we celebrate this great salvation, we want your mind, your will, your purpose. But Lord, because this is your word, because we pray, that out of your glorious riches may be strengthened with power through your spirit and your inner being, that Christ dwell in our hearts. Lord, as we take hold of one of these promises, we ask now, Lord, that you would make it by revelation, not by information, but by revelation, very, very real, for the glory of your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah just one touch from the king just one touch from the king one touch from the king can be one of these words that transforms our being because it's god speaking to us thank you for listening to this podcast by lifeline church we hope this message has been an encouragement to you We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at LifelineUK.